All right, it's time now for Front Page, and we've got Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist who will help us navigate through the news currently making waves. Pauline, good morning. Good morning, Katie. All right, so let's talk about the East Coast Rail Link for the ECRL. Apparently, uh, Dr. M says it would leave Malaysia with 30 years of debt, but I've heard from the other side that says there's a trail of damage expected if the ECRL is cancelled. What's going on? The first thing is, let's be honest, right? Putting it right out there, no country in the world can afford to ignore China, at least not economically. Right. So the ECRL um, was, of course, uh, we all know, it was supposed to link um, Guantan's chaos and to bring development to the east coast of Malaysia, which, as we also know, has been rather underdeveloped all these years. So I feel that anything that has the potential to bring growth, especially to the underdeveloped parts of the country, I think it should not be dismissed for political considerations. I think a lot of China's projects are being canned mostly because of politics in Malaysia. Right. Um, our finance minister managed to negotiate the price down at the for LIT project. Yep, yep, so yep. I don't see why they can't I don't see why they can't do the same. But there are other avenues, right? Nothing should be just dismissed because it's unpopular politically or because of Mahathir's uh, rather nationalistic tendencies. So, but basically, yes, it's a great uh, project. It's a great yes. investment, yes. but it's just at that price, it's just not, doesn't make sense, right? Exactly. So at that price, it doesn't make sense. So let's talk about renegotiation, right? Let's talk about what are the other options we have in order to still keep the lines of investment open with China, but not at the expense of people. Uh, we've got Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist on the line who's uh, helping us navigate through the news on front page. Coming up, let's talk about Malaysia Baru's five-year plan. We'll get to that right after this run from Westlife. My love on light. And we're back on front page. We've got Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist, helping us navigate through the news, currently making waves. And two words that's currently making a lot of waves is integrity and kleptocracy. Okay, so it's integrity in kleptocracy out. Malaysia Baru's five-year plan to stamp out corruption. Pauline, do you think this is achievable? I think that they have to achieve it. <laughs> yeah, one way or it's another, right? That, it's, it's, yeah, it's not that the question of whether it's achievable, it's they have to. And that's down to the fact that they were elected on the promise that they would stamp out corruption, that that would be their priority. So if they do nothing to address corruption, they will be voted out in five years. There is just no two ways about it. Um, the people are now very much uh, aware of their voting power. So the Parliament Harapan government, if they don't address corruption in a really tough way, they're going to find themselves really in deep trouble trying to win the next general election. We saw how, by mm. promising so much and not doing enough, we saw what happened in Cameron Highlands recently. Exactly. Right? Malaysians are like, don't just talk, do, right? Correct. But in their defense, right, not that I'm defending the Parliament Harapan anyway, but in their defense, I'd like to point out also that the Pakanam Harapan government will find it a much, much harder task than they ever expected to stamp out corruption. Now, you mentioned it's deep-rooted, it's going to take a while before... Yeah. Well, change will take a while. How long do you think yeah. it will actually take? Well, Generations? Well, it better not take longer what? than five years. <laughs> it better not take longer than five years because that's when the next generation is going to be held. No, I think this is going to be a difficult one. But I think you've got to start. Right? And whether or not it's the timing, it wouldn't really matter. The key would be to actually start. The key would be to actually start, I don't know, um, empowering the MACC with prosecution powers, for example, which is something that's always been talked about. Mm. The MACC doesn't have any prosecution powers. And any case that they bring up has to be decided by the AG. And so if the AG is politically linked like it was before, then they can't do anything. So 
you know, making NFC a really independent body and amend laws that would give NFC prosecution powers and also make it um, an independent body to stamp corruption. Yeah, just do it now, just start, right? And we've got Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist, on front page right now. Pauline, just a quick question. Do you have any outstand- outstanding summonses? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna. I probably shouldn't be doing this. I have a couple of parking ones. I have a couple of parking ones. Okay. Nothing more serious than that. <laughs> We're gonna talk about the no discounts on the summonses right now. That's coming up next on Light. And we're back on front page. Once again, we have Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist, helping us navigate through the news, currently making waves. And there's a huge one that's gotten everyone talking. It's about summonses, JPJ summonses, and no more discounts. Transport Ministry to discuss with police councils as well. Pauline, what's going on here? Okay, thanks for some real talk. Malaysia has the highest road fatality risk for 100,000 population in ASEAN. And of that, more than 50% involved with motorcycles. Okay, so real talk time. Malaysia has a serious road accident problem, and a lot of them are fatal. And every year during festive season, uh, we hear about accidents in Beijing, we hear about some things being issued, and we, we read about horrific accidents, and we shake our heads, and then we fall back to our bad habits. The fact of the matter is, some of these discounts are a way for people to just think, ah, Fine, I'll just take this turn. If I get someone, oh yeah, I got this count one, just wait, I got this count. That's not going to help anyone. Yeah, that's not the point that's of it, right? Not, yeah. yeah, that's not the point of it. So I, for one, would be the first to applaud why being Anthony Low for being tough. Enforcement must be stricter and traffic offenses must be punished. Anyone who flouts the law to often should have their licenses straight. So like a demerit system or something. You know, there was some talk about it being, being implemented a couple of years back, but then nobody did because it was like, oh, so unpopular. And also because, you know, no, everybody's like, oh, another, another, another fine. You know, the government's taking enough from us. But that's not the point. I mean, just take, for example, there were, um, in 2017 alone, there were 6,740 votes for 6,740, right? Compared to Singapore, for example. 122 fatalities. And Singapore is some of the strictest road rules in the region. Yep, yep. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying I know what we're like when we're being compared to Singapore, but I'm not saying there aren't other factors involved. Of course, Singapore has a smaller region population. Yes. So it is proven that stricter road rules will decrease accidents because people are so much more careful. Even if it's just, oh, so I don't get summoned, it's got to hurt, right, when people break the law. Yeah. People die, you know, when yeah. people break the law. So, you know, you, you can't, say that, oh, yeah, it's your summons, uh, you don't talk about summonses and discounts, we're talking about road safety. Yes, exactly. Not just about summonses, yeah. Yeah, because I think Malaysians have been all about Allah, very mafan. It's not about mafan. It's actually about the safety in our lives here. Thanks for exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. Thanks for that thought, Pauline. And coming up, let's talk about rentals and how tough it is to, to actually get a home that you love and then you find a place that you absolutely adore and you're not allowed to rent there. Why? Because of discrimination. We'll talk more about this after Laura Brannigan. But right now, here's Dean Lewis, Be All Right on Light. And we're back on front page right now with Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist uh, who's helping us navigate through the news that's currently making waves and none quite so heated, actually. Recently, there's an article that was out about a guy who had trouble renting because of his race. And this is right here in Malaysia. So we're talking about trying to end discrimination by landlords when it comes to renting units. So what's your take on this? Well, by the very nature of this um, subject, it's a pony, right? Yeah. It really is. But there are, there are two parts to it. One is the racism bit and the other is the regulation bit. 
So let's deal with the regulations first because that's really out the way. Right. So first of all, I do not believe that the government should regulate private property. Yeah. Also, it's not possible. It's not possible, right? Government can't go to someone's house and say that, hey, uh, you are, I see that you're renting to people. Uh, did you ensure that you rented to all races? Did you make a racist ad in the newspaper? So the government can't exactly regulate private property. So, yeah. And we shouldn't go down the slippery slope when the government has to be like a nanny and just make everybody, hey, hey you got you to gotta make sure you rent it out to everybody, blah, blah, blah. You, you can't regulate private property. So that is that bit about it. And the racism part of it, however, you know, I hate to say this, but there are racist Malaysians. Oh my God, revelation. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that is really the reality, right? Yeah. Um, the reality is that there is prevalent racism in discrimination. And the way that we deal with it cannot be emotional. So I, I think the, 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 whole, the whole thing is to look at it um, holistically, right? So if you want to regulate property rental, you can't. But what you can do in, on the government's part is to strengthen anti-discrimination laws in general. Right. Okay. So racism doesn't just occur in in rental. It occurs in the workforce, in education, in public service, in all other areas. In this case, the government definitely should regulate and and strengthen anti-discrimination laws. And only then will we be able to see kind of like a trickle down effect, right? Yeah. So if the government is tough on discrimination in the workplace, in education, then everything else would follow. But there isn't anything the government can do in terms of societal biases and societal racism. There really is nothing to do. The best way we can go about it is a society ourselves to realize this happens and call call them out when it happens and not ask the government, hey, hey, do something about it every time we encounter something like this. Right. Right? This has to come from within the people. Right? We, we have to be better people and hopefully that will start changing things. Yeah, but so- until and I mean, but as long as even from the top, quota still exists, discrimination still exists in the workforce, for example, nothing's ever going to change. So it has to come from the top as well. But no, the government should not go into people's houses and start regulating that. Love your thoughts on that. Thank you so much, Pauline. And one more to go, though. Let's talk a little bit about the famous Android box. That's next on Front Page Online. Back on Front Page right now, we've got Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist, helping us navigate through the news that's making waves right now. And everyone kind of is talking about Android boxes right now because, well, the headlines was Astro to gain if Android TV boxes banned. What do you think, Pauline? Oh, uh, well, there, are, there is some truth to it, but we'll get to that in a short while. Right. So, well, Android boxes are a bit of a gray area, right? So there are a streaming service like Netflix, but at the same time, you don't pay for it. So and then there are copyright issues with that because sometimes the content that is uploaded to these Android TV boxes dubious in terms of right. their, uh, legitimacy. Right? Yeah. Um, and you see that a lot and it, it, it's sources from all kinds of other streaming services as well. So um, the whole point that already tips you off to the fact that it's a gray area is the fact that you don't pay for it. So <laughs> if you want legit, you pay. So yes, Astro will gain if Android TV boxes are banned, but not in the way you think, right? I think that is a little bit of a, a tricky headline to navigate. I think it's not so much that Astro gains, 
it's more like it's a warning to Astro, right? In a way, to start up the game. Yeah. Because people have options today. But sometimes, because as a content creator myself, I'm sometimes like, there's so many different shades of gray. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know what? As long as people are watching my stuff, it's it's great. But sometimes I'm like, you know, I put a lot of hard work into trying to create this content and people are just pirating it off somewhere and then they can watch it for free. So I always... Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one for me. But do you know of any countries that's actually banned Android boxes and does it actually work? Yes, actually. Well, not a ban so far, but as far as I know, Singapore High Court has ordered uh, ISPs mm. to block access to streaming applications that come preloaded with TV boxes. So that's just been announced. So chances are in the future you'll find that Android TV boxes you can buy them, but you won't be able to use them. Right. So all because it's it's what's inside, right? So the the worry now also is like if I have an Android box and mm-hmm. I buy it and I start putting in apps into it, am I going to be fine, or should the shop that sold it to me that they should be the ones that that gets fined or thrown in prison or whatnot? First of all, does anybody remember pirated DVDs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as a kid, perhaps I shouldn't give you revealing my face. But as a kid, I you know my dad and I would go and peruse yeah. pirated DVDs. Right. I'm not going to say spotter. I'm just going to say peruse. Peruse, okay. Um, so sometimes the uh, the the police will be like, oh my god, you know, the police are here, and then they pack up the stuff and run away. Yeah, yeah. So that's when the raids come, and then also the people, you know, perusing these DVDs to run away. But the very next day, they're back, right? So when it comes to piracy and all these things, finding the users or the all the sellers is is just not feasible. It would take way too much monitoring and surveillance. But I think the only way for it is actually correct to compel the ISPs to block these streaming services. Right. Down with Android boxes. All right. Thanks so much, Pauline. That's Pauline Wong, Malaysian award-winning journalist who's helping us uh, navigate through the news here on Front Page. Pauline, thanks so much for being very upfront and being very objective about uh, all the things that we've uh, discussed just now. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on.